Hello, everyone, and happy, happy holidays. holidays. Yes, uh, happy holidays from us here at Zingness, of course. Um, we just wanted to do this before the main part of the episode because, one, um, we just wanted to, you know, this is coming out on a holiday, so we just wanted to wish everyone a happy holidays and hope everyone stays safe. And um, Oh, and to deliver a wonderful gift. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so definitely enjoy the episode. I will point out that this was recorded rather early in the month, so mm-hmm. there is certain stuff like the um, Pentagon disclosure information that was not really talked about because it didn't happen yet. Right. So sadly that was we are time travelers yes we we are but (laughs) apparently we're not good at it yet yes but i will point this out rob also was on another show from our from our bunnies over on dark myths yes the not alone podcast who you might remember from our troll hunter episode yes uh, he what he's actually on their episode, which will be coming out later this week, to actually have a discussion about disclosure. But in the meantime, enjoy our discussion about Rendlesham Forest and a ton of other nerdy and paranormal topics. Fantastic! This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Zing This. You got me, Zinger. And I'm Ellie. And we are joined by the great, the host of the up-and-coming new podcast. Yes. Our Strange Skies, Rob Christofferson. Yeah. What's up? What's happening? What's shaking? Awesome. Well, it's great to have you on and... When this episode comes out, we are not recording it on the day, but when it comes out, it will be on the eve of a very interesting event, mm. which we will discuss later. Okay. Which we will discuss later. Yes. So, yes. before that, though, Rob, you're, well, you're, you're on the verge of starting your, your new podcast, and we have a few, we, we kind of want to do some interview questions before we get into our main discussion today, if that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally down. So, Ellie, if you would start. Sure. Um, so, what, um, what will your podcast cover? Uh, largely American UFO sightings and the events that kind of make up the identity of the United States in terms of uh, its UFO sightings and how it... it, it gets into certain towns identities and 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 stuff like that like uh you know you have the mothman festival and (laughs) in west virginia you have roswell has its own thing all these places have have these things and it's it it affects our culture in in such unique ways so i'm going to be getting into a lot of that and i'm going to be looking into the people that pioneered uh, UFO research and stuff like that and uh, one of my favorite aspects of what I'm going to be doing is we have these episodes that are titled The Meltdown and basically what they are is uh, I'm going to get together a group of people 
per per every episode like this and we're gonna watch a really crazy ufo documentary and freak out about it <laughs> so it, there's plenty out there oh there are so <laughs> many out there and i've already sampled the waters and i feel crazier for it nice yes. that's awesome yes. so what actually what got you interested in this field since I was a child, I have always been interested in, in the paranormal and, and all sorts of weird stuff because I grew up uh, during the boom of Ghostbusters. And uh, for me, it wasn't just the, the movies. It was the uh, cartoon series that that had a huge impact on my life. Uh, so much so that I was that geek that was wearing that fake proton pack to school every day. It was cool, though. <laughs> I was awesome. I was hunting ghosts at school. But uh, from there, uh, it, it branched into the show Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. Oh, I've my gosh. Had this, yes. yes, and I've always had this theory that he was dead the whole time he was hosting it. He was a ghost because uh, he was just so <laughs> freaky. Just so freaky. <laughs> that is awesome. So from there, it's just uh, all that stuff was like in my life. And then um, uh, about 10 years ago, I started to do uh, paranormal investigations with a, a group. Uh, it, we're called the uh, Adirondack Society for Paranormal Research. Uh, the funny thing is, is that our group is not based in the Adirondacks and we do zero research. <laughs> so The name's uh, just to throw people off. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to make yourself sound legitimate if you're going to talk pseudoscience and stuff like that. So, yeah. And then uh, about five years ago is when I really got into the UFO research. And this is kind of this podcast is an extension of all of that. Um, I know that you're probably going to cover it on one of your episodes, but I want to know, in your opinion, what is your favorite sighting or favorite event from the history of ufology? Uh, the one event that has always stuck with me, um, and I first saw it on Unsolved Mysteries, it was uh, Lonnie Zamora's sighting in Socorro, New Mexico. And uh, this was in 1964. Lonnie Zamora was a cop with the uh, Socorro, New Mexico Police Department. He was involved in a high-speed chase one afternoon, and all of a sudden he heard a, a roaring sound. And he assumed that it was a dynamite shack nearby, and it was about to explode. So he, he drives towards it like a crazy man. <laughs> and um, uh, what he eventually comes upon, he sees a, a, an object in the desert that he assumes to be a overturned car. But when he gets closer, he realizes that, no, what it is is, in fact, it's a, uh oval-shaped craft that is uh it has landed there are two humanoid shapes outside doing something they see him they they uh get back in their in their spaceship and it lifts off and and goes away from him and uh ever since i was a kid that that case has stuck with me all right that's 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 definitely a good one and, and mm -hmm. you told it like perfectly too like oh yeah like I, I felt like i was getting some animation in the background almost i should be watching like a ufo documentary so yeah Bra I, I i try I, <laughs> bravo on the presentation yeah, sir uh, <laughs> uh awesome i'm you know 
I hope I hope that it translates well into the podcast format. All right. Well, something else that will translate fantastically into a spoken word medium. Uh, what is your favorite, like, I guess, photo or sets of photos of a UFO? For me, it, it will always be the Gulf Breeze UFO, regardless oh. of whether, regardless of whether it's fake or not. That is the most cool-looking UFO I have ever seen because it it looks like the equivalent of a two-story house, and oh it's my just gosh. yeah, it's really big, and it's just like you know and ed walters the the guy that took all these photographs uh he took pretty great photographs regardless of whether they're fake or not i don't think they're all fake but uh, i'm sure some of them are but uh oh man those photos are incredible i i i as soon as you started i was like that's gonna be golf breeze i know he's gonna say golf breeze now and I mean, they're they're very compelling, and I'm not going to say here or there on it. He's kind of one of those people. I wonder if he had a real sighting of something and couldn't document it, so then he tried to recreate it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wouldn't put it put him past that because I mean, they did find you know the quote unquote model in the house that he lived in after he moved out. The new owners came in and, and discovered this model that looked strikingly like the UFO that he was taking photos of. Um, of course, some people claim that uh, they, uh, you know, that it was uh, it was a fake or, or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to determine one way or the other what, you know, what was authentic and what wasn't. But uh, um, Sam uh, Sam Fredrickson from the Not Alone podcast and I we call him we call Ed Walters the patron saint of uh, UFO abductees <laughs> just because uh, his story is so crazy and just the way he acts and and the things that he says and that uh, if you if you pick up uh, a used copy of uh, his his book uh, uh, Gulf sighting or UFO sightings and Gulf breeze or something like that. There are pictures of Ed Walters outside raising his fist to the UFO while he's wearing a towel, and that's it. It's it's pretty funny. Oh. Sounds yeah. like a Tuesday night for me. It, I mean, I imagine in Gulf breeze that's everybody's Tuesday night or something. You know? <laughs> oh man, that's that's it's awesome. And then of course the final question: Will we ever know the truth? I think truth, uh, when you're talking about this kind of stuff, is so I, I, subjective at this point. It's like uh, uh, there's a great analogy in that the, the poster from the X-Files is uh, it's the, 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 the really great UFO, and it says, I want to believe on it. Mm. And the funny thing is, it's like the, the photo uh of that UFO is uh, is a photo of Bill, by Billy Meyer and Billy Meyer, of course, hoaxed uh, UFO photos for decades, and there are people that still believe them, and I don't know why. But uh, there's that idea of like I want to believe, but it's like deep down I know that's fake. So it, it's it's tough. This it, it's subjective. I honestly think that. Um, we wouldn't know what the truth looked like even if it was uh, put in front of us. Uh, I think this is something kind of totally beyond us that we're still 
going to be figuring out or trying to figure out for decades. I, I definitely can agree with that. I also have this just thing in my head of um, just if, if there ever was disclosure, like at a press conference, and they're like, okay, can we take questions? And it seriously is just everyone going through every sighting. And this, this I'm assuming military person or some political person sitting there after like the 30th hour of being asked, what about, you know, the Gulf Breeze sightings? Were those real or fake? He's like leaning on his the podium, fake, next. Like just... <laughs> Just going through each of the sightings that people have reported, just saying real fake, real fake, sort of. Yeah, you know, just like subsequently killing people's dreams yep. left and right, you know. Just just people are just in a, in a line at the microphone, just asking or holding up something. I don't know, just, just I guess my, my own fun imagination of that poor guy who I would have to do all that. Yeah, um, I, I, I would definitely feel bad and like, I, that's why I think uh, the term disclosure nowadays it's really more of a buzz term than it is an actual concept because you know like the first 30 minutes all the fun ones would already get taken and everyone would be like oh and then it's like you're getting the real obscure ones at that point yeah yeah like um, you, you'd have to go through the annals you'd have to go through newspaper archives just to just to grab stuff and like I mean sure newspaper.com you can get yourself a subscription to that. You can have that all day long. Um, but still, yeah, uh, I, I would get bored if I was that person, you know, definitely. But I like I've uh, proposed on, on other podcasts, like if we have to name one person, one spokesman to do this. If Tom Hanks got up there and he started talking UFOs all day, I'd listen to him. I don't care. It's Tom Hanks. <laughs> I can, I can, I can definitely roll with that. I think that would be great. I think, I think he is the key to disclosure. I think right now, you know, like people are focused on Tom DeLonge, but Tom Hanks is in the back of my mind all yeah. the time. Yeah. All mm -hmm. right. Um, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into a very interesting sighting on the eve of said sighting is when you will be listening to this. This is Zengness. In the shadowed recesses of our world, monsters lurk. Despite our reluctance to find them, an unlucky few cross paths. It's these experiences that we explore at Monsters Among Us podcast. My name is Derek Hayes. Each week I explore calls from around the world detailing chilling encounters with mystery beasts, ghosts, UFOs, and a plethora of other strange happenings. You can find Monsters Among Us podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and most other podcatchers. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. So, uh, the way we wanted to do this was, I, I, I don't know if you've listened, if people have listened to the podcast enough to understand that I, I believe in a lot of stuff, paranormal-wise. UFOs, it depends on the sightings. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of a lot of different ones. Ellie, um, do you want to give your opinion real quick, even though we've given it before on other podcasts? Um... It, on just UFOs? Just in general. Just, just generalizing so so that the next part will make sense for our listeners. Um, I, I mean, I believe that there's other things out there, other beings out there, but I'm not, I'm not at the level of you as far as research and, you know, if somebody 
talks about a famous sighting, I'm not going to, I wouldn't know about that. Like, I wouldn't go, oh, yeah, that one. You mm-hmm. know what I'm trying to say? All right. So, my goal with getting Rob on was, I thought, an interesting, kind of fun sort of way to talk about a certain event. And kind of going at it with the, giving the evidence to Ellie. And some of the evidence to me, too, because I'm not fully sold on this event. And giving it to both of us to see if we can change our opinion on said event. And Rob, if you wouldn't mind telling us what said event is. Yeah, so we're going we're going to England, folks. Jolly old England. England. Yes, and we're going to the Rendlesham Forest. Okay, and, that just and, already sounds scary. Uh, actually, uh, that was one of the things <laughs> when you when you read about Rendlesham Forest <laughs> and the surrounding area, it is kind of uh, it's got a history. Um, it's it's definitely an area that is uh, heavily uh, associated with like witchcraft. Okay, and um, they had a famous uh, black dog sighting called uh, Black Chuck, who. Um, uh, he, the hellhound kind of um, mythology uh, definitely fit into that, and then uh, of course there is the uh, spirit known as East End Charlie, who was the spirit of a uh, German Luftwaffe pilot who was shot down. Um, but uh, yeah, the definitely people get a creepy vibe out there, and uh, also located out there are two. They are British um, air bases. RAF uh, Bentwaters and RAF uh, Woodbridge. And um, so the sightings uh, we're talking about uh, took place between uh, December 26th through the 28th of 1980. And at 3 a.m., John Burroughs is on patrol. He's, uh, <coughs> he's out on the edge uh, towards uh, Rendlesham Forest, and he's and he keeps seeing this uh, light inside the inside the forest. He's kind of freaking out about it, so he 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 goes to the security desk, and uh, they basically keep calling people up. He talks to his uh, superior named Bud Steffens, and uh, they keep going through the pipeline, and eventually they get to this guy, this star- uh, sergeant named uh, Jim Penniston. They have him come out, and they investigate it. Of course, they go out. They they leave their weapons behind because uh, they are uh, they're technically going out into civilian territory. So they go out and they investigate this light in the woods, um, and they start uh, immediately. They start experiencing uh, malfunction with the radios, and uh, so they set up this relay uh, that goes all the way back to Stephens and. Um, it's Jim Penniston and John Burroughs. They're, they're going into the forest to, to go towards this light. And, uh, so they get to, uh, within like, I want to say 10 or 15 feet. And then all of a sudden it's like, everything goes quiet. Can't hear, can't hear anything else. The animals are, are just silent and everything. And, uh, it's, uh, it, 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 they described it as like entering this zone where it actually became more and more difficult for them to move forward. And Jim Penniston, Jim Penniston makes it a little further 
the John Burroughs. John Burroughs just basically drops down to the ground because, like, they see this light in front of them, and it just, it's really bright. But uh, Penniston goes a little bit further, and he can see an object. It's a triangular-shaped object, and it's almost like a triangle with a triangle on top of it. And he gets over to it, and he actually ends up touching it. And uh, it ends up, like, flaring up and, and, and all this. And, like, he, he, for him, it's like a, a matter of minutes that goes by. And for, for Burroughs, it's like a, a, a matter of seconds. They're, like, experiencing time in, in two different ways. So eventually this craft just lifts up out of the out of the trees out of this forest and and takes off and when they finally make it back to Bud Steffens at the end of this relay 45 minutes has passed and they confirm this two ways one they were about to send out a search party looking for them cuz they had absolutely no idea where they were second it was confirmed by their watches which were which was 45 minutes behind both their watches so something clearly happened that night cuz you have physical effects and like the actual ufo itself left physical traces uh it it apparently landed they initially thought it was just hovering on the ground but uh it had actually landed there were imprint marks on the ground and they would do multiple investigations in this area, and they found that in certain areas it was highly radioactive, and there were scorch marks on the trees and uh, on the on the ground. They actually took um, impressions of uh, the indentations left on the ground. Uh, multiple people did. They kept coming back to this area to 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 do this, but. Uh, that was the first night, and you figure that was weird. Nothing, nothing like that's going to happen again. But you would be wrong. <laughs> oh yes, you would be wrong. Uh, uh, before we get to night two, yeah, I wonder if we could have like a question and answer section in here real quick, or kind of going over the evidence as of now in the story, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Yeah. So so far. Penniston and Burroughs, only two people to truly witness this firsthand. Am the I correct actual, with that? The, like, a, like the actual be, object. Yes. yes. And are there any more that have witnessed it just seeing something in the woods, or are we still only at two people? There, nope. There were, there were actually... Uh, it was Penniston who, who uh, re- uh, said at one point, uh, that 80 people witnessed this thing take off out of the trees. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. 80 people. So, uh, they definitely saw something. All right. Did you have anything at this point, Ellie, question-wise? Mm-hmm. All right, my, my other thing, I know this is about to come up in probably about five seconds, if, if I let you continue. The mm-hmm. recordings that are famous, those are from <laughs> night two, correct? Yes. Okay, I was just... I. I'm trying to get this story straight in my mind, too, hearing it over again, and very well told. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I'm getting my timeline right for this, too. Because yes. this this is about to escalate pretty quickly, if I'm yes. remembering the story correctly. So Yes. Um, uh, and, the, and the thing is, is like, uh, 
for a long time the the, the narrative of this story was that it was just those guys that experienced that. Mm-hmm. There was uh, years later these these other people that came forward and said that this object passed over them and actually they were in uh, I think they were in a jeep. It actually disabled their jeep. It sent down a beam of light and just disabled their jeep. Stopped it right there. So now you have other people. Uh, they didn't they didn't say that they saw the actual object itself. They just said it was a light that came down, disabled their jeep. For like maybe like a, a couple minutes before it took off, so we have that. We have eighty people seeing this, so a lot of crap happened that first night. <laughs> um. Also, I guess for your checklist of encounter events, um, Ellie, you know from rewatching the X Files, uh, key thing they are missing time and scorch marks and indentations as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, and like the the missing time thing was it, it, it was pretty interesting because like most of the time when you talk about missing time, it's with you know uh, uh, abductees, um, people who are are being taken. But like uh, it, in this case, um, I guess you you would call it time dilation because they uh, even within this zone, they both experience time differently for. Peniston, it, it, it was a little bit longer for Burroughs. He said it felt like only 30 seconds had elapsed, whereas Peniston said it felt like five or six minutes. And then you go back to, you report back to their sergeant, and they say, uh, no, it's been 45 minutes. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and you have it documented because of just their reaction and also the watches like that that to me is one of the most compelling pieces of evidence aside from uh the the indentations and and, and stuff like that uh it, it's not a part that gets often gets considered um when when talking about this story it's 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 kind of usually glossed over real quick before we continue that was just kind of an artist's rendition of that of the object. That wasn't like a picture they took. Right. Uh, Sorry, I, I was I was showing Ellie just a few quick. Uh, um, duh. I just wanted to make sure because <laughs> I didn't oh, want you to be like, oh, that's object, a really really compelling yeah, the photo. Was, I believe Jim Peniston's drawings of it. Yeah, it, it was one of the recreation or reenactment photos yeah. where it's got like the. I just wanted to show her real quick. And I didn't want her to be like, well, it's a really compelling photo they have here. Oh, and there's, there's, oh, what am I thinking? There's one other piece of uh, evidence that uh, I, I'm leaving out here. Um, and it's the most important one. Um, uh, so when Jim Peniston was touching this craft, he noticed that there were what he described as hieroglyphics on it. There were um, uh, different ones, and when he went to touch it, he started getting in his mind, and he didn't release this information until, like, almost, it was like 20 years later. He gets this information, that he keeps getting these ones and zeros, ones and zeros, and he doesn't know what they are. But he somehow has the mind to write them down at some point. 
which you know is it, it's sketchy information that's introduced later there which... is the rub that i set because uh, when we were discussing this before the show and everything and i was discussing it with rob i'm like there's one point of the story that makes me go hold up what and yeah. this is it right here this, this 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 part for me just is so weird of like a it's that many years later it's really just kind of out of left field that he'd bring this up so yeah and like i've run it through my head a few different times and part of me thinks that the reason that he did that is because uh you know him and burrows have really bad health problems that they attribute to that craft. And the thing is, it's like their military records, their military health records are sealed. They have no access to them. So they don't even know what's wrong with them. My thinking is the reason that he introduced that piece of information is to try and pressure the government to release his health records. I. Interesting. Um, I kind of I, I I played devil's advocate as anyone listening to this knows. I'll argue with my own arguments. Mm-hmm. So my thing, and, and this is just something I'm I'm wondering. I mean, I'm not the most remembering person sometimes. Like for certain things, I do. What if it's something to where like he wrote it down in all the confusion, all the events that we're going to see transpire. He just completely forgot he wrote it down. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, pe- pe- people are human. It happens. I mean, I'll sit there and legitimately text somebody and completely forget I did and have them text me back being like, what the heck is this person texting me for? I didn't. And then be like, oh, I forgot. I completely forgot. It Could it be the same thing with him? Maybe. Um, I, I know that we, we don't have a definitive answer here. I'm just I'm just stating statements. <laughs> you're right. Um, it, it, it's it's. You know, it's subjective at this point. Uh, it could be. Um, he hasn't really made his... Um, I don't think he's made his reasoning, you know, fully aware to us all. Uh, I, part of it, I think, also, too, has to do with the fact that uh, when he signed uh, his statement to this event, it he claims it was a coerced statement that it was typed out for him that he was forced to sign it and that um it, it wasn't even that he would no totally needed to be convinced it was just hey we're telling you that this is top secret this is your official statement right now um we're we're investigating it this is all you can tell anybody um the thing is is like that that is the entire statement you know a, a statement in the statement pretty much amounted to like yeah they saw some light in the sky and then uh, they they dismissed it i think they claimed it was uh, the lighthouse because there's a lighthouse nearby that uh because it's right on the the coast um they they claimed it was that but um yeah it, it, it's tough to say at this point what his reasoning is behind that but it's like well, how well-versed is this guy with binary code? Because uh, what he wrote down was essentially binary code, and it translated into a message. So, again, like it's all subjective at this point. But it's it's an interesting piece of evidence, if, if, if we can be so bold as to call it that. 
All right. They also had that in <laughs> in the X Files. Yes. Yeah. Um. That was early on. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. It was the that little third, boy. Yeah. It was kept... that episode was just so cool for me. I just thought it was really really cool. Yeah. And and like that episode touched on a lot of like UFO myth. It like it, it, it threw a lot of lot of it at you at once kind mm-hmm. of like um jose chung's from outer space did you know <laughs> that was that was kind of like if you want the x-files and like uh one episode here you go <laughs> so i guess let's move on to the events of night we, we've touched on them but i guess let's 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 move on in our narrative to night two now so, so we're going to night two and uh this oh time <laughs> Yeah, this time, uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt, he's at a party, they're celebrating the holidays, and there's a runner that comes in for, you know, comes to him while he's in this party and says, hey, guess what, you know the UFO? It's back. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So, um, basically, Holt's commanding officer's, like, I'm not going out there. Have fun. So he sends him out there. And uh, so Halt basically puts together a a group. And in this group, he's got someone that has a Geiger counter to measure radiation. Also, uh, someone that uh, has a camera with them. And uh, he requests these things called light alls, which are basically like really, they're like mobile like uh lights basically that run on a generator he never has any luck with them they they're malfunctioning the whole time that he's out there but uh interestingly enough the first thing that holt does when he gets out there he goes back to the landing site from the previous night and basically just conducts an investigation and uh if you he made and and the thing about halt is is he made these tapes these uh, audio recordings. He, he had this tape recorder with him every time. And, uh, you know, they're just uh, describing the area. And, like, uh, basically they found radiation inside the landing marks and also inside the, like, where they triangulated the this craft, like, right in the center. It was also giving off high radiation. They also had something that they call a starlight scope, which is just basically night vision. Pointing it out there, there there was heat sources, like unusual heat sources on the trees and on the ground. So it still hadn't even fully cooled from the night before. Um, eventually his attention is taken away from the light, which it, it's really weird because like, I think they investigated for like maybe an hour, an hour and a half before they even addressed the light, you know, the UFO that they've been told had came, had come back. And they, they keep pursuing it. It's, it's one object at first. And it's like, it almost looks like molten lava because it has stuff falling off of it. And they get to, they get really close to this thing at one point and it breaks off into five orbs of light. And they basically play this cat and mouse game with them for hours and hours. Um, At a certain point, there's one that comes by and drops a beam of light like 10 feet away from them. And uh, 
Like you listen to the tape, and he's like, he 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 almost sounds like a a, a stoner who's just amazed by some television program. This is because, weird. Yeah, <laughs> this is weird. Yeah, and then eventually, this craft goes over the base and shines down in an area where um, people claim that they were housing nuclear weapons because basically um, the U.S. government had been leasing these bases from uh, the British for uh, like 50 years or so. And uh, what they housed were A-10 Warthogs, which um, basically they were deterrent from um, the Warsaw Pact nations, which, uh, you know, you're basically talking about, like, communists and stuff like that, bringing in armor um, on the other on the other side, just uh, bringing up troops and stuff like that, because their specialty was is they would fly over and drop bombs on heavily armored vehicles and stuff like that. A-10 Warthogs were basically designed as tank killers. They were yeah. 100%, like... I, I guess if you want a video game reference to like Age of Empires, something like that, they were super effective against tanks. Like they were yeah. basically, if you had tanks coming, you built a ton of these and sent them over at them, and they just tore them apart. They also had yeah. a cool machine gun on the front of it too. That just <laughs> yes, yes, those machine guns. And were awesome. by the way, fun fact: they're still in use today. <laughs> Yes, they are. Um, they are they, one of the longest-lived um, items of war that we continue to use, and they should technically have probably been replaced years ago, but they are that well-designed. Mm-hmm. Sorry, they they're, sorry, they're, Ellie's giving me a look. They're, they're, they're really cool aircraft. No, they, they are. They've been used. They were used in the Gulf War. They were used in the Iraq War, uh, Afghanistan. They've been used in... Uh, every war we fought since um the 80s yep so yeah so uh definitely a weird night for them um at uh at a certain point um john burroughs claims that he was out there that night halt has denied it this in you know for years that he wasn't out there but burroughs claims that at one point one of these lights, he stepped into the beam that it was dropping down to the ground, and he described his experience basically like the same experience that Penniston had. He said he saw the triangular craft. He walked into the light and uh, basically had the same stuff that happened to Penniston happen to him, except he didn't touch the craft. Um, Smart move. I, yeah, I I don't know if I believe that because uh, it's only corroborated by one other person, so it, it, it's tough to say. But um, yeah, these people had a fun two nights, you know, just <laughs> chasing UFOs. I mean, this is my dream job. Why? <laughs> why? Why? Why do I have to go? Why do I have to go? You know, even try go looking. They they came to them. I'm I'm. I'm saddened by this. That uh, I they're they're living my dream in the past. It's terrible. <laughs> this is a definitely, I guess, a cornerstone of ufology in incidents stuff like that, and it's also one that I know is very hotly debated because of counteracting stories. Narrative doesn't match up sometimes with other people's, 
and the whole like there's very little physical evidence anymore about it aside from some tapes yeah um supposedly jim peniston still has the plaster casts of the landing marks that he took and he supposedly gave them to charles halt at one point to study i i don't know if they're still around but uh i, I would kind of imagine they are when you re- <laughs> there's a great book on this by uh nick pope and it's just the rendlesham forest incident and uh, he he goes into excruciating detail, like painful details. And you get the kind of sense on that second night that, like, they were heavily undisciplined. Like, it, it, rumors were, like, rampant around the base, you know, uh, it's to the point where people were going up to, like, Penniston and saying, hey, you're the UFO guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, but, um yeah, that second night, there were supposedly people that weren't um, a member of this team that Halt put together going out there looking for this thing. And it's like, how undisciplined is your military that they go out there looking for UFOs? But, um, yeah, there, it, it, the more that I've read it, into it, it's just like... And Nick Pope emphasizes the fact that people kept going back to that initial landing site to do tests and investigations like Peniston. Yeah. He, he went and did his own, um, got his own impressions of the landing marks. Another person went there and got impressions of the landing marks. So you essentially have two sets of impressions of these landing marks. Um, where are they? (laughs) Why, why don't like, why is that not presented as evidence today like what happened to them um but it's so at this point it's so crazy to think that you have an incident that has so much evidence to back it up and now is so hotly contested because there's so many conflicting narratives now and like halt himself has changed his not his narrative but like his stance on it because when this all started, he, he claimed that he had no idea what this was. And then um, years later, he did a complete 180. He said, no, these things were extraterrestrial. I'm, I'm certain of that. Okay. Cool jump, man. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm on board. Let's get on that craft, buddy. Let's go. Um, and then he turned again and said... Uh, no, this is a government cover-up too. Like they, they're 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 covering this whole thing up. So I don't think anybody who who experienced anything that night has helped validate this uh, this entire case. But it's still so compelling because there are bits of physical evidence that are are, are really convincing. All right, so at this point, Ellie, what is your opinion of, of the narrative so far and of this? I mean, we've we've done our best, I think, related back to pop culture references. Obviously, X-Files is the main one at the moment. So what 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 do you think of the series of events so far? Um, knowing, knowing the amount you do know about it right. beforehand, which is not much. Right. <laughs> um, thanks. No. I, I, I try. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, in in your defense, you have watched more X Files than I have, so at least you got that on me. You're darn. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. That that seems to be a glaring hole in your in your fandom, sir. In your geekdom. I, I'm, I'm working on need... it. I'm working on it. I swear, I'm working oh, on it. Oh man, really? Yeah, really. D- define working on it, please. Um. So De- yeah, I'll answer this one for you, sweetie. I started watching from the beginning again just because it's just it's classic. I love the first season. And um and and Zinger was like, "Oh, oh, you're you're really doing this. You're you're watching it." And so he sat down and he did finish watching the first episode, but I in lieu of editing a episode of Zingness which came out later than normal. But I don't think he's watched any more since the first episode. Really? Like yeah. I'll get to it. it. See, that he's admitting it. Episode, <laughs> that pilot episode should have grabbed you and said, it did. I can't stop watching it. Did. It, it <laughs> did grab me. I just haven't gotten a chance to yet. So you're, you're claiming that real life is interfering uh, with this with, with your viewing of the X-Files. Is that correct? I, yes. I, I will say this. <laughs> I am ashamed of myself that it has taken me to this point to watch it. I can retroactively go back and point out something I probably have pointed out before. As a kid, I was terrified of aliens. Like, sleep with the lights on, like, terrified of even watching E.T. And that's actually, backstory, that's actually how I got into ufology and liking it. Because I went, this is a stupid, this is a stupid international fear I have. I'm going to watch stuff. I'm going to study it. I'm going to get all the information I can so I can be less scared. I don't know if I'm, I'm I'm not as scared as I used to be, but trust me, if you do enough research into ufology, it just gets scarier sometimes. Uh, when you start saying that um, aliens somehow enter your bedroom and take you out of your bedroom and bring you on a craft and do stuff to you, I don't think that makes things any less scary. No, it, it, it made it worse. But like, like I said, that's, that's what got me into this whole thing was was I'm going to try to conquer this fear and I think I've come to a chaotic neutral at this point with it like I'm I'm mm-hmm. not any better I'm not any worse it's kind of I've learned stuff from trying to dis I mean to be like I'm I'm not trying to disprove everything I'm just trying to disprove that they'll come for me and it's like nah, nah apparently well, but it, 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 the the funny thing is and mm-hmm. and and I say this to uh, a lot of people when you start taking an interest in this stuff, sometimes it starts taking an interest in you. And and I'll, and I'll tell you a, a story. Um, uh, this past weekend, uh, there was this big to-do about these sightings of these lights um, going yes. from, you know, in Colorado and everything like that. And it turned out to be a C-130 and... Um, you know, exercise that was going to, uh, I believe Las Vegas. Um, but I was talking to, uh, a paranormal investigator and he described, uh, seeing lights that had an actual physical effect on him. He said that they, uh, that, uh, he felt fear, and all of a sudden, he looked up and he saw these lights, and they were like low in the sky, like definitely not a plane or anything like that. It's completely silent, but uh, they had that effect. And he said, when I was talking to him, that it's kind of funny that they showed up because I started researching this stuff uh, on my own. And 
when I started researching this stuff on my own, I had more sightings of things. So, yeah, this stuff takes an interest in you as much as it as you take an interest in it, it seems. Yep, that's just me sitting here about to watch the X-Files and, you know, take a more interest in it, I guess. But they, yeah, that that's why, I mean, I was younger when it was originally out, and now that I'm older and, you know... I use the excuse of that's how I got into watching Stranger Things. They're so like, it's it's a ton of stuff from the 80s, and it's a ton of paranormal and conspiracy stuff. Why are you not already watching this? So yeah. I, I, I promise you, I will make a more hearty attempt at getting through X-Files. That being said, though, they did just put um, Ash vs. the Evil Dead on Netflix. <laughs> Well, so. I mean, priorities, priorities. <laughs> uh, you, you can't sacrifice that. I, I, I know. I, I, as I have said before, I love Evil Dead. So I mean, uh, but no, I mean, I, I, I think I get, rounding way back around, I, I will watch it. But, but no, um, Ellie, what, what is your opinion of this? <laughs> now that we've taken a five-minute detour? Ah, <laughs> oh, it's good. Um, no, I. I think if I just, without really deeply thinking about it and obsessing over it and really trying to figure out what I think, I think initial impressions would be that there was something there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the whole, if, if they took measures of radiation in certain spots and there was radiation not somewhere and then a good mm-hmm. amount of yep. radiation in a certain spot, then clearly... I feel like that is evidence enough that something was there. Um, I think maybe it was embellished. I, I think there's too much going on in such a short amount of time. I don't feel like... I, I feel like it was in your face too much. Does that make sense? I I think I my, my thing i'm gonna say probably in a minute might play into that too okay. so, so yeah so yes i think there was something freaky and crazy there um and you know clearly there was some evidence to to support that um but but like i said i i don't know if it was to the extent that they may have been describing it just because i just i feel like like I said, I just I don't feel like it would have been so much in your face. Oh, it, this was here and this was here and there was lights everywhere and this. I just I think it was maybe taken upon and then added to. Not necessarily everything was there that was stated. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, though? yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're okay. saying. Um, and that's a very fair assessment because I, I I fall somewhere in that area myself. If I may, real quick. Um, my thing with this is, as I stated earlier, the whole binary thing years later is something that that really sticks in my craw. As like something that I'm like, wait a second, what? And I, as, as I've already said, I've argued for and against it. Um, but on the other hand, I kind of feel like... I, 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 I tried to go into every UFO sign going, I believe instantly. Now right. disprove me. Yeah. It's, it's, I go in and try to look at it as, well, let me see the evidence and let me kind of come to my own conclusion with it. And with this one, the radiation is interesting. Obviously, you'd like to think our military was not, um, for lack of a better term, dicking around in the woods for two nights <laughs> over nothing. 
Yeah. And here's the other thing, and if you want me to put a tinfoil hat on really hard for this, who's to say some of these people's stories aren't fabricated? What if they really did see something, and then the military's like, hey, you guys were there during this time, right? Why don't you say you saw something, too? But we didn't see anything. Why don't you say you saw something, too? So then it starts to discredit, and it's like now instead of having this handful of, oh, five people were involved very heavily with this, it's now... Oh, there was a sixth person in the woods. There was a 15th person in the woods. There was a 20th person in the woods. All of them say they saw stuff that contradicts the others. It it muddies the water so much that you can't tell what you're really going after anymore. So it, it, for disinformation, what's better than doing that? Right. And if you look at cases like the Roswell incident. Roswell is a great example. Roswell and Area 51 are both great examples of that exact thing, I feel. Yeah, uh, because we we we're to the point where we don't even know if, if anything crashed out there, frankly, um, because you've got uh, you got Nick Redfern with his theory that uh, this was a government test to uh, try to document the effects of high elevation on the human body, and that the bodies that they saw. Uh, that they retrieved were actually um, um, what were they? Crash they were, test dummies, basically. Not even crash test dummies. These were people taken from hospitals. Oh, this theory. Okay. Yes, you have the theory that Tom DeLong is throwing out there that says, "No, this was a German craft." You have uh, the weather balloon aspect that the the government has played up for for years. You have. Um, Jesse um, Marcel saying, uh, no, I, I held this stuff in my hand. There's no way it was a weather balloon. This was this was an object. And then you have the people that claim to have, you know, seen or operated on the bodies and, and, and whatnot. And, like, it, it has become this you You, you missed a great show. one, though. You missed a great one. Um, not I? to put you on the spot, have you read Area 51 by Annie Jacobs? Not yet, but I do have it on my oh, Kindle. Oh my gosh! Okay, do you mind if I say something, oh, well, or you want is, me to keep my mouth shut? The, no, is this the Japanese? No, theory? this is no? this this is the Russians. The Russians? Oh God, yes! I forgot there was Japanese. I completely forgot about the Russians. Okay, this. Okay, I I am I am paraphrasing a book here. I'm saying this by like I'm I'm. Not, I'm 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 saying this, and I feel like I have to say this, but it's just gonna make me sound even. Cra- I'm I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm not crazy, people, but I'm I'm paraphrasing a book, and I find this. I'm not saying it's the most truthful one, but if you want out there theories, woo man, do I got one for you? And I'm paraphrasing. Annie Jacobs' book is um, it's one on Area 51, and it does talk about the Roswell crash, and it brings up some interesting points, a few of which I will get to, but it postulates that Joseph Stalin was very interested in the event of the War of the Worlds. That happened, um, the, the, the radio play and how everyone freaked out about it. He was apparently took a big interest in that. Well, allegedly, they captured Joseph Mangala. Joseph Mangala experimented on children. He basically kind of experimented on some more kids, made their heads bigger. They had a craft that was captured from the Germans that they basically kind of piloted over the U.S. and crashed it with the intention of it was supposed to land these humanoid-looking things were supposed to come out and cause mass panic. 
that's kind of where Annie Jacobs points to with her book is that there, that that's kind of, it's it's kind of a mixture of a few different things that that this is where it comes to. But I I, I always like that one as it's like the craziest one, but at the same time you're kind of sitting there and it's like, huh, maybe. Um, go I, go 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 ahead that, and poke as many holes in that as you want, please do. My my one issue with that the one issue. It, it, it's that in it, when we, you know when we talk about Roswell itself and how it's been overblown to the point, the War of the Worlds, uh, Orson Welles thing, that was blown out of proportion too because and like, that's what people normally use to argue this, and that's why yeah. I think it's interesting because I'm like it, it kind of I mean yeah people freaked out but it wasn't like a you no, know it wasn't like people you know getting into car accidents and dying left and right like i honestly think people um more people died in the battle of la than did mm-hmm. uh, the broadcast yeah. of that war of the worlds and, and by the way for a number of people who died in battle of la i'm pretty sure i can count them on one hand uh it depends because uh it's either five or six. Oh, five or six. well apparently i need two hands maybe <laughs> maybe it's a, it's a possible two-hander <laughs> But no, I mean it's 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 an interesting thing, and once again, does it make sense? Not really. Is it something that could logically? I mean, that's that's the other thing. Maybe Joseph Stalin believed all the hype and did not get the true story of oh, no one really cared. Maybe he believed all the hype that was around this, mm-hmm. the whole thing. But the yeah. other thing I want to mention from the book there there is an interesting story. I'm not going to tell on here because I've told I think on another podcast and. It's one of my favorite parts of the book where they mention what, what they did to keep people from talking. Actually, I might mention it now that I talk about it. So, we, we all know in the ufology world, Bob Lazar. Mm-hmm. Well, he claims that he worked on, you know, alien technology and stuff like that. He Not only did he work on alien technology, he called it the sport model. Yes, yes, it was the sport. I'm, I'm assuming it was a convertible then. Like, I, I want to see that convertible flying saucer... Like, I need fan art, people. Fan art, convertible <laughs> flying saucer, give it to us. But my thing is this, and this is something they kind of postulate in the book, is, and, so, and sorry to ruin this book for everyone, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a lot of stuff, and it is very interesting, by the way. <laughs> but there's a point where it kind of is pointed out that, what if they're just told when you go to these bases and stuff that you are working on alien technology or something alien, and it's not. It's just something very terrestrial very real it's just they're telling you that so if you try to blab to anyone or try to say anything no one's going to believe you yeah um and that feeds into you know other things like um uh like the men in black phenomenon mm-hmm. yeah and, exactly and 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 funny enough because have, have you ever read the the comic saucer country no, I have not. I, I guess I guess I got you, reading material and watching you, stuff from this now. Thanks. Yeah, you you should definitely uh, get your hands on that because it has one of my favorite takes on the Men in Black phenomenon, which is basically that what the Men in Black really are is a an Air Force hazing ritual. I you know what kind of can believe it to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's it's like why. I mean, who would very question or stand up to these people? I mean, think about it. I mean, they, they normally are very threatening and very imposing, so why would you ever question them? Or in the case of Point Pleasant, West Virginia with the Mothman, really weird. Yeah, and and the thing is, is like I don't think, like, 
because I've I, I've talked about it on, on on a few different podcasts, but I don't think the Men in Black is exactly one thing. Oh I, no, I, no, no! It, it's too varied. Like when you read cases like um, Doctor Herbert Hawkins case like there's no way that anybody could pull off what this supposed men in black pulled off like it's just too weird to you would have to you would be the best actor known to man to to pull off what what they did oh no it's that's that that is a great incident and also i mean it it's i don't know if i don't want to get into it too much but um basically he just appears almost at his house he yeah he also, gets a he gets a phone call and you know before a, the time of cell I, I know this is hard to believe people yeah this, this happened before cell phones so it wasn't like i was standing in the bush beside your door called your house it was a no there, there's no way that could have happened technically yeah because it was it was in 1976 mm-hmm. and so also yeah. it was very automaton like yep too and had like painted on lips i know it sounds weird i i I, I, I kind of want to give just vague details so someone might, if they're interested, go look it up. Or someone might yell at us for it's like, why didn't you just tell the whole story at that point? Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and here's what, uh, if if there's anybody out there that wants to go look look up Herbert Hopkins' Men in Black Encounter, what I'm going to also encourage you to do is to look up, the because this is all connected to a case that he was uh, assisting on. Uh, it was a, a, an abduction case, uh, the abduction of a guy named David Stevens. Go look up that case because that case is as wild as uh, the Men in Black encounter because uh, the aliens that he describes do not look like the aliens that uh, I have heard described ever before. Also, not only did Herbert Hopkins have a Men in Black encounter, his son had an encounter with two a man and a woman that acted vaguely like the man in black so like it, it, this is like whole buckets of crazy at this point but it's a it's a really interesting case i i encourage people to go look that one up because it's it, it'll it'll mess with your mind so to loop once again five minute detour back around to the rendlesham forest incident uh, to get all of our conclusions on it, um, so Ellie is a in the camp of Ellie's in the camp of. Um, I mean, I already said it, but okay. oh, I was just gonna get get you to give us some <laughs> quick summation of it over again, real quick, um, so that we can get to Rob's kind of, I guess. She conclusion. she thinks that something happened and then it got blown out of proportion. Yeah, pretty much. I think I'm I'm kind of almost in the same exact boat. I think something happened, but I think the waters got too muddy afterwards to possibly get the true details because it's like everyone wanted to be the person who saw it that day. So yeah. I guess you, Rob, are the final one on this as the storyteller and our UFO expert today. What's your opinion on this? I I, I definitely think something landed there i don't i i can't think that this is like anything the government is doing just because um my thing is is that when you're talking about craft and like people are saying oh hey that's got to be the government working on that well you got to show me something 
there's got to be some type of technology somewhere that somebody knows that somebody's going to leak that isn't as crazy as Bob Lazar himself <laughs> and can can give me some inkling. Uh, something landed. I, I, I don't think it was our government, but I also think that it was incredibly blown out of proportion to the point where we're struggling to put to fit back together this narrative but i think if you follow the pieces of evidence that they did get from that case it ultimately remains compelling to the yeah. point where you you where if blue book was around and still operating back then not that it would have investigated this case cuz it was in england but i think it would have uh, ended up on the books as unidentified I would definitely agree with that. Like I said, I feel like recent events have more muddied the waters for me on it, but it is what it mm -hmm. is. Um, to bring up something you said earlier before we go to break real quick, I think it is interesting that you said the thing about Men in Black, that you think it's a lot of different things, just all kind of gets funneled into one thing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I assume your opinion is probably the same of UFOs and a lot of the sightings of stuff like that, that it could very well be a ton of different stuff that we just don't understand, but it all somehow gets funneled into lights in the sky, UFO, alien. Yeah. Um, definitely because um, most people that see this stuff aren't necessarily trained observers, but um, at the same point, like uh, one of the biggest misconceptions about a UFO sighting is that to automatically assume that the person on the ground can look up at something in the sky and determine that there's an alien flying that thing. Um, <laughs> I don't understand where the leaps in logic come from, but I think uh, at, at that point you're also it, it, it also puts the the stain on on studying this kind of stuff. But uh, I don't think we take the slow enough approach these days to UFO sightings and stuff like that to you know ultimately come up with good evidence anymore it's it's tough i mean not a lot of people operate under the what i think is the best definition of what a ufo is is uh, uh jl on hynek put it out there a ufo to him was not an actual physical object but it was a person's perception of an object hmm. so it it's not it, you're not proving it's nuts and bolts, but what you're basically saying is somebody saw something and nobody can explain it. All right. So at this point, yeah, it, 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 it's tough, tough nowadays when you're that person on the ground, you're looking up. I think we also tend to forget that like most of this stuff could be explained away. Oh, but, like, I actually got a great example that happened to me the other week. Mm. Um, so I was getting out of my car and everything. And I had one of the, uh, as as everyone on this podcast knows, I think we've made a parent. We do have children. And one of my children was looking straight up in the sky and went, ooh, look. And I look up and there's this light traveling across the sky. And it's about 5 o'clock in the evening, 5, 5.30 in the evening. And I'm like, what is that? So I'm like, that's not a plane. That's not. I'm like, what is that? And then I realized, I'm like, oh, it's the space station. That's right. Totally mundane thing. Thought about it for a little bit and realized, oh, wait, that's right. Around 5 to 5.30. I mean, from 5.30 to 
whatever time you can see the space station if it's not cloudy out right now because of the this this that and the other so i instantly went from what is that to oh that's what that is duh and then walked inside and didn't even think about it for two more seconds mm-hmm. but that's the thing somebody else might have seen that and been like what the heck is that and not like like i said it's 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 yeah. kind of you, you you've got to look at your environment sometimes I mean, I'm not saying everyone doesn't see who sees stuff is misinterpreting, and it's just sometimes some of this stuff can be logically explained, but there's other times where there is no explanation for it at all. Yeah, in anyone's um, mind. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've definitely been there. Um, I, where I live, uh, it it's like I live in uh, the Adirondacks of northern New York. So it's I, I basically live in the largest state park in the country, and <laughs> the town I live in is incredibly like it's the perfect place for an observatory because it like it, it's very dark, it's very secluded. So um, you see all sorts of weird stuff all the time, and then you look up for more than a second, and then you realize, oh no, that's uh, someone's plane, and that you're seeing. But I mean. Uh, we had a compelling set of um, sightings that lasted for a long time, and uh, I, I still don't know what they this object was because uh, I ended up seeing it during the day, and basically what it looked like was a flying egg. It was very it was oval shaped, hmm. and I only associate it with the, the because normally you'd see it at night, but uh, it, it would always fly low. It would fly slow. It had one light on it, but it would always just fly in the same general way. So I, I don't really know what that is, but um, yeah, it's, it, it, it really comes down to, hey, slow down a second, think about what you're looking at, and 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 you won't even you won't even be bewildered, dang it, <laughs> because. Uh, most of this stuff can be explained, and I think I, I think that uh, that ufology has definitely lost that a little bit because you can you know report your sighting immediately, and it's going to show up as somebody you know as a Twitter post or something like that. Well, I was going to say this because it dawned on me, and it's something I wanted to ask you at the beginning of the show. I just completely forgot about it. Is this is with today's technology and? Are you know the way our airspace is with drones and stuff? Is ufology dead? Because I know that there was a few months ago that like everyone was saying, "Oh, seeing UFOs now is dead because ninety percent of it now can be well, even more of it now can be explained away as oh, you just saw a drone, or I could just get a drone, basically make it look like the one from um, Gulf Breeze and fly around my neighborhood for a few hours and then watch local news and be like, up, oh, <laughs> I made the news, cool." Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a tough call because I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff in our skies nowadays, uh, a lot more than there used to be. So, yeah, I, I I I don't think it's as prominent as it used to be. I think I think when it comes to this kind of stuff, it becomes more of a buzz term um, that uh, people you use the term like ufologist as like a badge of honor of some kind but like don't really contribute that much to it uh and and, and it's unfortunate because like 
most of the great investigators, with the exception of Jacques Vallée, are are gone. So, yeah. like we we we've lost the scientific method a bit. Um, and and you know, to for me, that's what I'm going to try to bring to my show. And like the um, the first episode that I'm dropping is really. Um, going to lay out, hey, this is the terminology we're using. Hey, this is uh, the way we're going to cover it. And um, hopefully try to bring back more of that scientific analysis to this. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll get back to that in a second. We're going to go to a quick break. we got one more weird thing to talk about, and then we're going to have Rob give us a rundown on where you can find his show and when as well. This is, of course, Zing This. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Maybe it was the ghost of an alien that worked for the government. You know, you remove the alien anal probe out of the story and it probably wasn't this guy's worst Saturday night. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Listen to Brent and John make sense of it all each week. By subscribing, find us on iTunes by searching Hysteria 51 or anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So, Rendlesham Forest. Did we answer all the questions? Did we give a definitive? We solved it? No. But, hey, it was fun to talk about and fun to dive into. Um, Before we get into our final thing, I know that there has been a movie made of it. I'm going to ignore that. Do you guys think this is a good idea for a movie property? Uh, <laughs> maybe that's a solid maybe i think i think if it's done right sure but i don't think there there has not been a compelling piece of like any kind of fictional non-fictional uh, like, like a TV show based aside from the X Files, there's no, there's nothing like, uh, UFO related that I've ever really found compelling. Aside from like V was fun, I liked V. <laughs> um, uh, X Files, like everything, I just don't think it's gonna make for good television. Ellie, what about you? Do you think it's something that could be a movie? I. Well, I mean, obviously, I think they could make it into a movie. Okay. I think they would be so concerned about making it flashy and over the top that it's it would be one of those millions of things that's been inspired by, but very loosely inspired by. So they would make a movie, but it would kind of lose the essence of, I think, the original story. All right. You know, so that I think they could, but I think most of the... the the believers and the followers of the tale would probably not like it because they'd probably go away from it enough to where people would not care for it. You know, like with comic book fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's not close enough to the source, source material. material. Yes, exactly. 
Well, if 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 I may, and by the way, if any Hollywood execs are listening, um, zingness <laughs> at gmail.com if you want to discuss this further. Um, just going to throw this out there as an idea. What if you filmed it or did it in a way, and I mean, I know this would probably be like the most uninteresting way to do it, but I think it would be the most interesting way. Filmed it in a way to where you don't have a conclusion at the end of it on whether they saw something or not. Like, shoot it to where they're out in the woods, but you, as the viewer of the movie, never see the object yourself. You just get the events from, you know, the different people's points of view, and it jumps around, but you never see anything. Like, you get the guys in the truck, and they and it just broke down, and you see them kind of looking around at what happened. Like, you never see the object yourself as the viewer. You just get all the events happening right and you kind of are left at at at, at the end to to draw your own conclusions without seeing the object now if you take what you both you know suggested and you put it together what you get is the movie the fourth kind because that's basically what it is (laughs) okay i was about to say i feel i'm describing perfectly a movie that's already been made probably yeah because it's like the fourth kind you know they they claim it's based on true events yeah there are a lot of people that go missing around Nome Alaska I, I get that um that movie did freak me out and I still won't watch it again um mostly because like I give them props for trying to make it seem real by like oh hey here's the real footage let's put it next to the 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 dramatized version Oh hey, it looks the same. That's freaky. Um, yeah, that you kind of do get the fourth kind because, like, let's take a you know a, a, a somewhat true thing happening here, blow it out of proportion, and then um, you never see the aliens. You see their shadows at one point, but um, you never see them, and they um, and they also. Uh, speak an ancient dead language so yeah I, i'm in short in short i'm never watching that movie again but yeah <laughs> i'm just saying i mean that's that that's i think a good pitch if you, if you want my opinion on it to where it's it's kind of like this they they don't ever give a conclusion and finally do not do it first person handy cam done Oh, no. set cams no. set mostly set cams i i can understand like for certain things to have you know a move a movable camera for like when when like stuff's moving around very quick for like you know just kind of pan from people to people but no i don't want point of view of somebody holding a camera the whole time because then you just get the blair witch right yeah yeah that's you, what yeah. i was thinking you straight up get the blair witch at that point except for its aliens yeah and and i think i think uh i think that i'm done with that kind of stuff it's it's just not like you go from the Blair Witch you you do it till it's dead and then um you you're still making it because it'll make some money but uh if if I was gonna sell it on an elevator pitch (laughs) do it basically what I want is if you're gonna do Rendlesham Forest film it like you're filming a season of Fargo and I'm totally on board (laughs) <laughs> I think if you did that, I would totally be because like if if you do it like that, um, I I think you could pull a lot of that stuff off. So, yeah, Fargo, UFO. Because I mean, like that there, there was one season where a UFO did kind of play a tiny. It was 
uh, there was a UFO involved in one season. I don't remember which one because it's been so long since I've seen it. But uh, yeah, if it's weird enough to like, I don't know, put it in a small town and make it weird enough. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down for that. I mean, I, we could go on with this for a little bit longer because I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, they have one of the military people. Like I said earlier, if they wanted to disinformation it, they could have some military person kind of talking to somebody saying, hey, you are out there, right? And he's like, no, I what? No, you were out. Like, but never give a conclusive, did that guy go to somebody? Like, have it be just, it, it would be probably the most frustrating movie in the world because there would never be a solid answer to anything. Like, have uh, Peniston writing something furiously on a piece of paper, but you never see if it's ones and zeros. Yeah. yeah yeah like 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 do stuff like that i mean it would be one of those things where i probably see that movie and hate my own mo- and, and hate the movie i dreamed up because i'm like it doesn't answer anything but i'm like that's kind of i feel like that that would be a cool way to get all the information out there for for incidents like this is to be like here's all the evidence you decide from this but you don't see what they you're you're not allowed to see what they saw though yes yeah, and i think i think that's kind of like a perfect like it's like the perfect symbolism for all of this because yes, you know, you don't, you don't see really anything and you don't come away with any answers. So speaking of answers, we're going to get to our final thing now, uh, maybe final thing, who knows? Um, so this is going to be coming out on Christmas day on December 25th. Of course, the eve of the rentals from forest events several years ago, but as of right now, as of recording of this, there's something very interesting going on. Allegedly, and Rob, feel free to correct me on this, there is an object kind of traveling through our solar system at the moment. And yeah. nobody kind of knows what the deal is with it. But as of, at, the, at this very moment, in the National Quiet Zone in West Virginia at the... Green Banks. Observatory. Mm -hmm. They are using their radio telescopes to try to figure out if this, I guess, has a signal or if it's sending out a signal or something. And Ellie, you've been to the Green Banks Observatory, correct? Yeah. um, We had a Girl Scout weekend trip where we stayed there. Mm -hmm. We actually um, got to play around with one of the telescopes and we got to, um, you know, actually move it around get radio signals and then read them it was really cool now these are radio telescopes not you know it's getting radio signals right. just to, just to explain to people these are getting radio signals yes not like a you take your eye and look through and see something right radio signals um but then we also got to kind of go behind the scenes and actually get right next to the ones that they're using for this exact yes. event that and, they- and it's a you can't imagine how massive these things are mm-hmm. until you're there. It's I it's so cool. I highly recommend it. And they're super paranoid about cell phones or anything like that. Like you well, cannot whole, have any of that. Well, that whole area is the National Quiet Zone yes. where there's like no Wi-Fi, no rate, no nothing. Like it is a dead zone for like all wireless stuff which is right. which and is you're not if you, which is weird in itself by the way right and if you go there's a certain area that's all looks all military and you know the big um what do you call it like, you know they Fences. have like like the things down and everything and so and they have areas where once you hit that you can't have any technology on you once you get past that point whether it's turned on or off so hmm. 
It's kind of cool. So, Rob, do we miss anything with this? Um, as of right now, as of the recording of this, do we miss anything with this object? With which I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yes, I'm not going to try to pronounce what this thing is called because <laughs> I'm going to butcher it. But, okay, the shape, apparently. Ellie is telling me the shape is something that I forgot to mention. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, how do we describe it? It, <laughs> it would... In UFO terms, you would call it a cigar-shaped because it's very long and it's also very thin. Mm-hmm. So, I've heard a, I heard it looks like a needle almost. Uh, like yeah, that thin, I like mean, that long you, and thin. Yeah, you could you could you could say that. Um, it's just very oddly designed. It's also it's it, it has technically also moved through our solar system at a really high rate of speed. Yes. And isn't like, it tumbling too? Like, isn't it? Maybe. I don't I, I heard I don't that know. its I movement didn't... is just kind of like, it's going endo, like it's moving really weird too. Like not like, oh, well it's going in this direction. It suddenly switches direction. Now it's, go- it's kind of like just moving through, like it's tumbling end over end or something like that or something weird. Yeah. At 169,000 miles an hour. <laughs> Which, um, that's fast. Yeah. <laughs> Just a bit. That's, that's really fast. Is that flash fast? <laughs> flash fast, nice. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, I, I dig that. <laughs> so, I guess... I, I don't I don't know what to think about this. It's I I just kind of want to chalk it as much as I've, I was like I as, know what I want to think as it's much super awesome as much as I've already stated on here how I do believe to a certain extent. I kind of want to just say that this is just probably some mundane piece of space garbage just flying through our area of the universe. Sorry to be boring. I don't think so. Like, the shape, I can't get off the shape, unfortunately. Okay. It's just so not common. And when you put together the speed that it's going and everything, it's, it's... so intriguing to me i'm so excited like and and even even if they don't necessarily get a a radio signal off of it like don't i mean who's to say there's there's not something living on it you know it's just so different looking and i i don't know i just i don't know i'm excited i hope that you know something comes of it it's it's just really interesting to me it's like the new hunky dreamy asteroid (laughs) <laughs> and it, of your dreams and it's and it's and it's come into your world it's come into your solar system and and it's so beautiful to look I at i know get yeah. excited people space rocks this is awesome yeah yeah <laughs> i think this is like uh our solar system's version of the black knight satellite at this point nice reference <laughs> yeah um i i think i can just conclude then with I think Disney's going really overboard with their marketing for Infinity War by having this be Thanos' ship. Oh, I, I, I think I think Disney has really overdone it this time with the marketing. Or maybe like this they, is something for Star Wars. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. That's a, that's that's a tough one. I mean, it could it could go either way. I, I otherwise I want to know what kind of marketing budget are they working with that they can put. <laughs> You know, interstellar bodies into our solar system and just fling them around at high rates of speed. I want to know. That's that Marvel movie money. <laughs> yeah, there's a conspiracy here, and we need to get to the bottom of it. 
All right, well, who knows? Maybe by the time that this episode comes out, that will be answered. If so, maybe I'll put in a little thing of me recording before, closer to the date, going, hey, they answered it. It was actually just a uh, smudge on the lens. Oh, oh no, no, hold stop. on, hold on. No, 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 I got it. I got it for the perfect UFO reference. Uh, it's actually just space gas. Oh, God. Oh, that <laughs> methane. <laughs> All right, Rob, thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you for taking us through a very, on, on the eve of the event, taking us through a very interesting event in the world of ufology. But where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? And when can they find more from you, sir? Well, the podcast itself, there's a there's a trailer out for it now, but the first episode is going to drop on uh, December 26th, and it coincides with the Rendlesham Forest incident. And if you know what time that this incident occurred on December 26th, you will know exactly what time this episode will drop. Now, hold on. Is that British time zone, or is that... What, what, what time zone? It's going to be it's going to be the American equivalent. OK, OK, cool. I'm, I'm just trying yeah. to make sure here. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll lock it in at the American equivalent. But uh, yeah, if you know exactly what time this all started, you'll know when the episode drops uh, to find me. Uh, the the pay, we have we have a Facebook. We've got a Twitter account. Uh, we also have an Instagram account. Just search uh, for our strange skies. Um, and it'll come right up for you. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, my personal page. It's at your UFO guy spelled Y E R UFO guy. And, uh, come talk UFOs with me. I, I, I love to talk about them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. Um, and I guess to make it relevant back to pop culture and everything, who's your favorite superhero? <laughs> My favorite superhero. Not putting you on the spot now. See, this is the hard question. Um, I, for me, and uh, it's it always unconventional, and it's just the way that um, Alan Moore took the character. It'll always be Swamp Thing for me. Oh, nice. Swamp, a Swamp Thing fan. Nice. Mm. All right. Well, with that being said, Ellie, are you ready to close out our show? Let's do it. All right. Of course, we are part of the Dark Myths Podcast Collective. If you want to find other shows with dark themes, where do you go to do that, Ellie? But you'll go to darkmyths.org. You can also find me discussing Star Wars stuff every week on the Knights of Vader podcast. And if you want to find us, what podcast apps can you find us on, Ellie? Well, one of my personal favorites is Podbean. You can also find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and Tuned In. And if you find us on Apple Podcasts, what do you do, Ellie? You give us an under trois quatre cinq. That's five stars in French. Review. Yes. We greatly appreciate it. it. Helps out the podcast more than you'll ever know. If you want to find us, of course, on Facebook, you can go to Zing This. If you want to tweet at us, at Zing This. If you want to find us on Instagram, it's at Zing This Podcast. If you want to find us playing some games, it is twitch.tv slash zing this you want to contribute to the podcast you can go to www.patreon.com slash zing this and if you want to email us directly as i said earlier for those movie for those movie script ideas if you're an executive if you're an executive 
Definitely email me. But for anything else, yes, too, yes. you can, of course, do that at... Zingness at gmail.com. And if you want to buy something with our logo on it, like a t-shirt, a sticker, or plenty of other stuff... you Or can... my personal favorite, a onesie. Yes, you can even buy a onesie with our logo on it. You can do that at... www.tpublic.com slash zingthis. Our sound guy is A.A. Ron. Our logo is done by Chris Zinger. And finally, DJ Golden Boy. 89. Play us out. Once again, we want to thank Rob for being on tonight. Thank you so much for having me on. (laughs) You're so awesome. (laughs) 